Well, morning, Ridge. It's, it's great to be here again. If, if you don't know me, my name's Mark. I'm normally out at Stirling most Sundays now. I'm not out here that often anymore. You may think it's a bit weird that I was in a sling and now I'm not. Um, I do have doctor's permission. Uh, <laughs> he, he told me I went for my checkup and he told me I'm allowed limited arm use from Monday. So I said, can't we just move it till Sunday because I'm preaching? And it's going to be a bit weird if my arm's like just stuck there. So, so I am allowed to do this, so, so you don't have to worry, it's all safe. So this morning, we, we carry on with the Tough Question series and, and looking at this topic of, of how can Christianity be trusted when, when so many Christians are hypocrites? It's a question that I think we hear often, or it's a question that I've heard often in, in talking to people about, about faith, about Christianity, about, about what we follow. And the reality is in the world, we, we see it as normal. The whole idea of, of hypocrisy makes... Hollywood millions, billions of dollars every year. Actors are ultimately called or paid to pretend to be a character that they're not. They pretend to, to live out this life. They, they, they go and they, they follow the script. They, they become this character and who, the, who they are. They don't change. They change themselves to, to fit the role. They, they ultimately become hypocrites for, for the time they're on stage or on screen. I don't know about you, but, but for me, I enjoy watching series, and, and you, get to, you get to learn the character, you get to learn their mannerisms, you get to see how they respond in situations, and, and you go, like, I know how they're going to respond in the situation, and then you see them, they're, they're acting in another movie or another series, and you go, I quite like that guy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch this series as well. And then they go from the fun-loving, quirky character that they were to the supervillain, and your, my whole mind just, just, it doesn't line up. You know, this is not the person I know. Why, why, why have they changed who they are? But ultimately, in, in both roles, they, they're pretending to be someone. They're not being who they are. But here's the point that that, that comes to, is, is pretending to be someone else is fine when it's your job on stage or, or on screen. But the real issue becomes it, becomes, become, it becomes a problem when it becomes your everyday life. When who you are doesn't really match up to what you say or, or what you live. So to define hypocrisy, the, the first definition is to claim to have a moral standard or belief which one's own behavior does not conform. To put it simply, your walk and your talk don't line up. So what you say and what you do are two completely different things. Or what you do and what you say are two completely different things. We live in a world where, where we see that so often. People call you to do something, but ultimately they're unprepared to do it themselves, or they live in a completely different way. The next definition, you say one thing. You call people to a standard. You, you say, this is what you should do, but you yourself fail to keep it. You, you, you call someone and say, this is, this is the standard. This is what you need to do. But when it comes down to doing it, you don't do it yourself. You do something completely different. The issue with hypocrisy doesn't, doesn't mean that you, you don't sin or you don't fall short, but rather it's that you pretend that you don't. You, you put up such a screen and you go, I've got this all together. I, I, I haven't messed up. You know, I live my life in such a way that people see the best side of me all the time. But ultimately on the inside, there's, everything's falling apart. But we pretend like, like, like everything's fine. To be a hypocrite means you're inauthentic. You're unwilling to admit who you really are. 
And, and this is what the world sees, and this is how often we, we portray this faith that we have to the world around us. And then there's a, there's a quote that I found by, by David Kidderman and Gabe Loins. Lyons. There we go. It's, it's, called, it's from their book, Unchristian, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity. It's a really good book. I, I've read two chapters so far, I think. But born, it says, born-agains or Christians were distinct on some religious variables, most notably owning more Bibles, going to church more often, and donating money to, more re- money to religious non-profits. However, when it, when it came down to non-religious factors, the substance of daily, people's daily choice, actions, and attitudes, there were few meaningful gaps between born-again and non-born-agains. Virtually every study we conducted representing the thousands of interviews every year, born-again Christians failed to display much attitudinally or behavioral evidence of transformed lives. So simply put, that, that when it came down to how they distinguish between Christians and non-Christians, Christians own more Bibles, they go to church more often, and they give more money to the church. But when it comes to everything else, there was really not much difference. There was really not much that that could be, could be said about that. So what a sad case for the church today, that we have this Jesus, we, we, we proclaim this Jesus, but so often we live like he doesn't matter. Gandhi once said that, that I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. The barber that I used to go to was Muslim, and his biggest argument that he had with me is how can we trust Christianity when there's so many hypocrites? His, his argument was that you fail in to represent the, the Jesus that you claim to follow. You, you live in such a way that, that he doesn't mean anything or, or you make it seem like he's not important in your life. And the sad part is there's a part of me that goes, I know that I fall far short from displaying Christ to the world around me. And, and, and it's so true. We, we fall into this trap of, of sometimes we just mess up. Sometimes we... We just can't do it. So the question today is, how can Christianity be be trusted when so many Christians are hypocrites? It's a good question to ask. It's a good question for us to journey today. Because the next slide says, if if you hate hypocrisy, then you're closer to Jesus than you think. Hypocrisy was one of those topics that that Jesus dealt with. He didn't shy away from it. He often called out the Pharisees or the religious teachers of the day for their actions and how they lived. He, he wasn't scared to, to call them out for the way in which they lived. Matthew 23 is a, is a great passage to define that. And verses 1 to 4 says this, And Jesus said to the crowd and his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything that they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move a finger. Jesus warns the crowd. He comes before them and says, you know, follow the teaching of, of the Pharisees. Follow the teaching of the, of, of the teachers of the law. Because ultimately what they're teaching is from God. This is the law of Moses. This is what God has set. But when it comes to following how they live it out, that's where Jesus gives the warning. He says, don't follow their example. Don't live out the way they, they live out this teaching. They fall far short of what it is. They do not practice what they preach. 
Verse 5 carries on to say that, that everything they do is for people to see. They, they, live, they live in such a way that, that they want people to see. They want people to, to see this religious facade that they have. They, they want people to see how, how well they're doing. It says that they, they, they prayed long prayers. They, they, they prayed their prayers on the street corners that, that people would see it. They, they wore their garments with, with long tassels that people would know. And ultimately it was to say, look how religious I am. But when it came down to the crux of it, they weren't really following what God had done. They'd, they'd put on the show, they'd put on a display. But Jesus doesn't stop here in this passage. He, he carries on and he calls them out on, on their hypocrisy a few more times, seven times to be precise. I think we're just going to look at three. In verse 15, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over sea and land to win a single convert. But when you have succeeded, you make them out to be twice the child of hell that you are. Jesus, Jesus is getting a bit harsher, but it's, but it's so too. He says you, you go to all this effort, you go to all this striving to, to win someone, but ultimately you make them more of a hypocrite than you are. Because you, you call them to the standard that, that you can't even follow, but you call in them to follow it themselves. And you just make them out to be more of a hypocrite than you are. Verse 25, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of your cup and dish, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside, inside of your cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean as well. Jesus warns them about this outward facade that they put on that that there's a sense of everything looks great on the outside, but the inside of the cup, the inside of the heart is, is filthy, full of greed, full of deception. That, that they're living in such a way that, that everything looks great, but, but inside there's nothing of substance. Verse 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of dead Bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Again, Jesus just calls us out. He goes, guys, you, you're missing the point. It's not about how well you can put the show on. He says the tomb looks great. The, it's whitewashed. It's nicely painted. It, it looks amazing. But ultimately what's inside is dead bones. There's, there's nothing of life, there's no, nothing of substance in, in living out of this way of, of hypocrisy. And Jesus took the hypocrisy seriously, and this is the reason he corrected it. It, it wasn't just something that he just flew off the lid and decided to address, but, but rather there was a real need to address this. And he calls them out for their spiritual duplicity. In other words, he's calling them out for being a bunch of liars. In other words, you, you're willing to to call people to a standard, but you yourself are not willing to follow. But at the same time, we see that Jesus calls them out on their hypocrisy, but, but also he loves them enough to do it. He doesn't just call them out as, on, on a sense of, you know, I'm just going to shout at you and leave it there. But rather he calls them out out of love. He doesn't call them out to make them look bad, but rather he reveals the hard truth about themselves, their actions and their attitudes so that there could be a correction to the way in which they live. All these statements start with woe, pretty much a warning. This is, this is where you're going. This is what you're doing. 
but you need to change that or you need to stop that. Why? Because I love you and there's a plan. And so many times after these warnings, he, he, Jesus goes into to the time going into Jerusalem, going to the cross, where this was kind of the last few days before that moment. And, and it's kind of like, I'm going to the cross for you to, to deal with this. So when it comes to condemning hypocrisy, you, you may think that, that sometimes it, it's, it's hard, but, but we're on the same side of the fence as Jesus. But for the skeptic today, for, for the guy who, who's maybe not sure, or you've asking this question yourself of how can I really trust this faith that I have when so many people are hypocrites, the, question, the, the answer is, the, or, or the reality of your question is that, is that Christianity is not so much an issue, this, this idea is not so much an issue about God, but rather it's about an issue of those who follow Him. So, so if we're looking for the perfect example, then we need to look to Jesus who is the perfect example. This is not the excuse for, for Christians to be hypocrites. This is not our, our get-out-of-jail-free card. But ultimately, the Bible claims moral perfection from one person, and that's Jesus. The Bible's very clear about who you and I are, but the Bible's also very clear about who Jesus is. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest or, or Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Moral perfection, that, that is Jesus. There wasn't even a hint of sin there. There was no hidden secrets. There was no little dirty secrets that could come out at one day. And, and there's a few stories that point out to that. One day Jesus is before the Pharisees and, and they're questioning him. They, they're trying to falsely accuse him. And in John 8 verse 46, he says, Can anyone prove me guilty of this sin? I'm telling the truth. Why do you not believe me? And at, at, at that point, everyone walked away. No one could bring out the list of dirty little secrets against Jesus. No one could find him guilty of, of anything. We see at Jesus' trial of, of, for the crucifixion, the, the Bible tells us that this trial, they had to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so that they could actually have a case in order to put him to death. They had to pay witnesses to, to lie about his sin. Jesus was morally perfect. There was not a shadow of hypocrisy in him. This is why we're told we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. So to revisit the question, how can I trust Christianity when so many Christians are hypocrites? The truth today is, is that I'm not offering you a Christian. I'm not saying follow me and, and I will never let you down. But rather the off offer of Christianity is to follow Jesus. Jesus is the validity. But Jesus validates Christianity, not the followers. It's Jesus himself. He's the one that we look to. He's the one who, whose salvation is found in. Without him, there is no Christianity. Without him, there's nothing. We believe, if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then we have the basis for Christianity. It, it's, not, it's not about our efforts and how well we do. So the challenge today is for the skeptic, if this faith that we, we're calling you to, this, this faith of Christianity, is, is not based on flawed Christian efforts. It's not based on, on how well I keep it. But rather it's based on who Jesus is. And the challenge for the believer is, is quite a hard-hitting one. But are you living in, in such a way that it makes, makes it easier or harder for people to come to faith in Jesus? 
The real hindrance to Christianity is not Jesus' power or his person or his character, but rather how poorly we reflect him to the world around us. Which leads us to realize that, and leads us to understand when, when we're talking about Christianity that, that many Christians are, are playing this religious game. If we look quick back at Matthew 23, we, we see that Jesus calls out the Pharisees because of this game that they're playing. You're putting on this, this great religious display, but ultimately there's nothing inside. There's nothing of substance, lacking anything spiritual and anything of substance. And we see that in Titus 1 verse 6 or 1 verse 16, it, it speaks to the situation again. That they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit of doing anything good. And as you read that verse for me, it's easy to claim to know God. I think that's the easy step. Um, if we look at South Africa, we, I had found a, the most recent stat, which was from 2015. But roughly 78.9% of our country is, claimed to be, is, is claiming to be Christian. That's about 35.8 million people. I'm not sure about you, but, but that's a quite an easy claim to know God. And to claim, if, that, if that claim was true, then I think many churches, more churches would be opening than closing. And I think this morning we would have a problem with how many people we could actually fit in here, if that was really true. But the true test comes down to, to their actions. By their actions, they deny him. In other words, it's easy to claim to know God. It's easy to say, God is there and, and I know him, but then live as we please. Do whatever you want. Therefore, we need to understand that, that the faith of the faithless is not the benchmark that needs to be followed. But rather, we call to look to Jesus. As we look into the world around us, we, we see so many people claiming to know Christ and, and doing a poor job of reflecting Jesus. And to help illustrate this, uh, as, as I've said, uh, I recently had shoulder surgery. But imagine with me that, that I first went to the witch doctor. I first went to the witch doctor to get my shoulder treated. And then I went to the orthopedic surgeon after that and told him, hey, I went to the witch doctor. He, he couldn't help me, so now I'm coming to you. And knowing my orthopedic surgeon, he probably would have laughed at me and told me that I'm pretty silly. And the reason comes down that, that just because the witch doctor has doctor in his name doesn't mean the medical council will approve anything that he does. And the same for, for the, Christian, the Christian community that we find ourselves in. Let's not measure ourselves against those who are living out this religious game. Let's not measure ourselves against other people, but rather let's use... Jesus has the measuring stick. Let's use him as the one that we look to. The goal is to be like Jesus, not to be like another Christian. If, 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 it's, if, it's to, if it's to be like me, you've fallen far short of the standard. The goal is that you and I need to look like Christ. Which leads us to the truth that, that I think we've all been trying to avoid this whole sermon. That hypocrisy comes in degrees and each of us struggle with it. If we were to stick to our definition of, of to defining hypocrisy, to claim to have a moral standard or belief to which our own behaviors do not conform, then the truth today is each of us are hypocrites in some degree. Why? Because we all fall short of our own moral standards that we set. Imagine with me for a moment that, that you were given this, this great little voice recorder. 
It was, it was really powerful. You didn't even have to turn it on or off, but, but it turned on or off by itself. Every time you said the magic words, you should. You should eat healthy. You should get fit. You should be a better person. You, you should be a better parent. It just magically recorded those moments for you. And ultimately, every time we say those words, you should, or any degree of them, we ultimately call in someone to a standard that we believe should be kept. Then one day that, that recording is played back to you, that recording is given to you, along with the video footage of, of every time you've fallen short of it. Every time you've gone, I'm not going to go to gym today, I'm tired. Every time you ate two cheeseburgers instead of one. Every time you, you got grumpy and moody and, and flew off the lid at people. Every time you were a bad parent. Every time was, was played back to you as just a reminder of, of the standard you've called someone to, but you yourself has failed to keep. By definition, you and I, all of us today, are hypocrites. Why? Because we fail to live up to our own moral standards, our own behaviors that we have set. But the truth is that, that one day this recording will be played back. But not just of the times where you said you should, but rather your whole life one day will be played back before God. Not just on your own, and this recording won't just be based on your own moral standards, but also on God's moral standards. So the question is, if God was to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? The excuse that we can't have is, well, God, look at all the Christian hypocrites. Look how they've let you down. Look how they failed to keep your example. Because the Bible tells us that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have fallen far short of God's standard. We have not just failed to keep our own standards. We have not just failed to keep the things we've called people to. But also we fail to keep God's standards. But there is a way that, that you and I can meet God's standards. And that is by the work of Jesus on the cross. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourself, but a gift from God. And not by works that no one can boast. I love it. As, as we come to the foot of the cross, we, we don't come with our performance records or our our abilities or our achievements. We don't come lay it all before God and go, look how much I've done. Look at everything I've achieved. You know, uh, look how good I am. But rather we come as a gift from God, saved by grace, that no one can boast. We come to the cross knowing that and understanding that we need someone who is perfect to, to die in our place. We see that Jesus died and rose again on... Yeah, died and rose again so, so that we could have this new life, this, this forgiveness of sin. And as we come to the cross, we, we realize Jesus' words in Matthew 7, verse 4 and 5. It says, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll clearly see the speck and remove it from your brother's eye. How true it is that, that we all have this plank, but, but we're so easy to point out the specks in others. But when we come to the cross, we, we come with our own plank in our own eye, and, and we quickly want to point out the faults of others. We want to point out their, their shortcomings, their, their failures. But we often are so unwilling to see our own. We see the little speck, but we, we miss the plank. 
But when we come to the cross, we, we realize that Jesus hung on the planks of the cross that you and I can have the plank removed from our own eye. The plank is not just removed by, by our efforts or our striving or, or trying harder, but rather it's removed by the grace of Jesus Christ. So to answer the question, is, Christianity, is the Christian faith credible even though so many Christians are hypocrites? The answer that I need to come, or the answer that I've come to, and I think the answer that the Bible points to is, is yes, because Jesus is credible, and in Him we find salvation. It's because of Jesus that, that we can have this faith. It's because of Jesus that, that Christianity is credible. Not just because, though we fall short, we mess up, He doesn't, He's perfect, and we look to Him to be the example, not, not, not those around us. So for the skeptic today, the the one who, who's maybe questioning this faith that we have. The question I'll ask is, what is standing in the way of, of you believing in Jesus? And the heartfelt question is, is, if it is that so many Christians are hypocrites, then the heartfelt question I have is, is what is going to help you remove the plank from your own eye? What is, what is going to help you remove that, that deep root hypocrisy that you have yourself? Jesus' offer is, come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and you can have the plank removed. Come to me, you can find freedom and eternal life. While for the believer today, the, there's, there's a challenge and there's some hope. The challenge is, is how well are we rep representing Jesus to the world around us? How well do we do it at school, or at work, or at home, or amongst our friends? Because sometimes it's easy to do it in one situation, but we fall short in others. And that's the issue. People see that double standard. But the hope is, and the comfort that there is for us as believers is, is the reality is that none of us are the finished project. We are still on this journey to become more and more like Jesus. We, we still, we're still going to fall short so many times. But the challenge that we have is, is let's be open with that. Let's be open with our failures. Let's be open with the times that we just don't get it right. I'm not saying post it on Facebook or, or tell the world about how you've fallen short. But what I'm cautioning against is, is the trap that we can so easily fall into to say, I'm doing better than others, so I must be fine. Or I have it all together on the outside, but on the inside it's falling apart. We need to be open and honest and, and say that this Christian life is not easy. We need to remind ourselves again daily that we are a sinner saved by God's amazing grace. We need forgiveness daily. But church, the, the challenge is that, that often we talk about this gospel as a gospel of forgiveness, but we portray it to the world that, that we don't need it anymore, that we've got it all together. So the challenge for the believer today is how well are we representing Jesus and are we going to be authentic with this faith that we have that, that sometimes we just don't get it right? And sometimes we need to go back to people and apologize for, for the way we've behaved or, or what we've said. Why not, not to make us look better or, or us to be the better person, but rather to, to just represent Jesus well. That sometimes we, we don't get it right, but, but we're still called to represent him to the world around us. So I'm going to close in prayer and then Mark's going to come up and going to head into a time of communion. So Lord, just thank you for, for who you are. Thank you for, for what you did on the cross that, 
that in you, in you we, we have the forgiveness of sin. We, we have this, this new life that, that is on offer. Lord, I just pray that, that you will help us with, with the plank that is in our eye. That, Lord, so often we, we look to others and we see their faults, but we're so unwilling to admit our own. Lord, we, we bring those to you. We, we thank you that, that your death on the cross covers those. Lord, it's powerful enough to, to remove that plank from our eye. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, we just pray today that, that as we leave this, this place, that, that we will look to you as the example. We'll, we'll look to you to, to go forward. We'll look to you for, for life and, and the example to follow. So, Lord, I, I pray for this in your name. Amen.